Crash Products on the line. Crash, good morning, and thanks for joining us, Crash. And I love that that um, interview you had with Howie, that podcast. And for all our listeners, they urge them to listen to it. But some of your cricket anecdotes were fabulous, mate. Good morning, Crash. Oh, g'day, Ray and Dean. It's so nice for you. And how lovely is it to hear the name King Curtis out there? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well. I thought you were going to say Ron Miller and Larry O'Day. But, oh, uh, I remember, remember Larry O'Day and Spiros Arion and Mark Lewin and Haystack Kowloon. Remember that? <laughs> I'm just disappointed you never asked me for my brush with fame, but that's all no, right. No, we're going uh, to. Don't worry. Well, oh, great, we, you'd, great. Have, you'd have so many of them, Crash. You can open the bowling if you want. Oh, no. It's just a funny little story, but uh, it was funny. I only asked it because someone spoke to you last night and said, did you ever meet Don Bradman? I said, I only spoke to him once. And I got his number off the former test opener, Bill Brown, who mm. said, just be careful with Don because he'll pick you up if you're, if you're anywhere you know, wide of centre. He'll, he'll jump on you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you'll find out. So, I read, so after Mark Taylor scored 334 in Pakistan and declared on equal total with Sir Donald's best total mm. for Australia, I had to ring him. And I said, um, hi, Sir Donald, it's Robert Craddock here. I'm sorry for disturbing you. And he goes, no, 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 you're not sorry. You wouldn't run me in the first place if you were sorry. And so <laughs> Very I, and, good point, yeah. And he said, I said, just one question, Sir Donald, that's all. And I said, just about Mark Taylor. He said, I'm very, very appreciative that he declared on my total. And I said, oh, it sounds as if you rate him. He said, uh, 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 you said one question. <laughs> So he's too good for me, Rain Dino, the old Don, you know. Even at age, what was it, 80-something, he was far too good. Uh, yeah. that, that was part of the Howie's podcast as well with you. I love that. I remember a great yeah. Don Bradman story when they opened the, the uh, Bradman stand at the SCG and he would have been, I guess, um, late 70s, early 80s. And anyway, um, uh, he was asked then, oh, if you're playing cricket in the modern era... You average 99.94 the bat. How, how do you think you would have gone in the modern era? And so Don said, oh, I probably would have averaged 80. And he said, oh, only 80? Oh, really? That high? And he said, yeah, I'm 80 years old. So <laughs> that was <laughs> Don. He was, he's fabulous. <laughs> hey, Crash, look, thanks for joining oh, yeah. us. And we actually wanted to get you on to talk the world of cricket. We didn't realise, though, that all hell will be breaking loose. With, and you've touched on it with a story today about Kim yeah. Hughes. And it really yeah. does, I think... Um, it's very salient point that you've raised. Kim could have tipped the bucket on Australian cricket back in the 80s. So much happened to him. His podcast is amazing as well. So much happened to Kim Hughes, but he's told you that he is urging and advising David Warner not to tell all in his autobiography. Well, Kim Hughes is, is one of the most... Yeah, sure, he's had a troubled life. He's recently recovered from alcoholism. But he's the most genial and forgiving bloke I've ever met. And he gets no credit for it, Ray. Mm. But he could have been bitter and twisted the way that Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh treated him and, and you know, Rod really scorned him. But you know what he did, mate? He went the other way. And in retirement, he said, I'm not writing a book. I am not uh, tipping the bucket on anyone. And I'll see if I can repair these relationships. And you know what? He did. And Ray and Dean, I'm sure you could tell me 50 blokes that went the other way in retirement. Mm. I saw the other day, I was reading a St. George reunion, Matt Cooper not attend, didn't attend it. You know, there's bad blood there. And, and, but Hughes said, no, no, I'm going to work on this. And he did. And so, and so his advice to David Warner, to get to the point, is that you've, been, you've signed a contract to write a book after your career is over, David, and we get it. 
but be careful because if you blow up the building, you'll have to live with it for the rest of your life. Pat Cummins uh, is already in the Fox commentary box. David is destined for that same position. So how would they work together if indeed there is more to tell to the Sandpapergate story? Because only Warner knows the full truth. And he's never told it, Ray. He's mm-hmm. never told it. Will he tell it? He's signed to do a book. So these days, guys at that level get paid between 500000 and a million dollars for that sort of contract. So you've got to sing for your supper if you sign that sort of deal. It's tricky, Dean, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Crash, can I put you on the spot? And I hope I'm not being unfair here. In your opinion, how many players on the field in Cape Town do you think knew about the tampering? Uh, I, I Look, I'm re- it's totally fair question, Dino, and I'm not offended to be asked it. The answer is I don't know. If you said, what have you suspected? I've always suspected that many more knew, Dean. Mm. And if you ask me the reason why, the prime reason is simply this. Because ball tampering was not something you kept secret in the dressing room. If there had been a player taking illegal drugs, only he would have known about it. If there was a player taking money from a corrupt bookmaker, only he would have known about it. But ball tampering was something every team did. It was an arms race, you know, like mm. South Fat Duplessis did it. You know, they, they were, so the words, it was like uh, the, the degrees of crime in cricket. It was a mm. bit like a bloke put, uh, putting in on his expenses, claiming a taxi fare, to a meeting when he was actually claiming a taxi fare to join his mates for dinner on a Friday. That's, <laughs> that's what about ball tampering was. So that's why I felt it was very widely known. I can't prove that though, Ray. Mm-hmm. I, I, and Dean, I can't prove it. But just common sense. I mean, you know, it just... I mean, Warner's manager, James Erskine, said that you'd have to be a blind black Labrador not to know that more people knew. Now, where do you reckon that came from? Mm. It's that crash. I'll put you on the spot one more time, if I can. Uh, the bowlers came out after Sam Papagate and say they knew nothing about it. Do you think a cricket ball that has been tampered with would feel different and that a bowler would know? Because that's his life, Crash. That's the tool of his trade. Mm. I, I would say in nine times out of ten, a bowler... As you say, it's like it's like a journalist not knowing his, you know, his his laptop. You know, if you something wrong with it, you just know. A bowler nine times out of ten would have known if the ball had been tampered with. I will say this though, Ray. I will say this. It was a wet Saturday afternoon in Cape Town. Bancroft had only just started working on the ball. And it is possible he was caught very, very early. The, the, the sandpaper would have had very limited impact on a wet ball. And I did hear a unconfirmed report that in the same game, the umpires at the end of play looked at the ball used by the Australians and the one used by the South Africans. And they said to someone, Pick the ball tampered. Pick the ball that's been tampered with. Wow. And, so, and they said it to someone in the dressing room, and they picked the wrong one because the South Africa ball was in terrible shape. Now, whether it's been tampered with or whatever, but it had, you know, it had clearly had the, had some sort of, you know, it, yeah. it had been 
it looked as if it's been through, through the tumble dryer. That can happen naturally. It can be artificial. Who knows? But they said, you wouldn't believe it. This is the ball that Leslie was being tampered with, and there's not a scratch on it. Mm. It's, it's, it's a fascinating topic, and we're literally, to use the expression, we're scratching the surface with this because there's a lot more to come out. But what we have seen so far this summer crash, if I can get onto the cricket, um, has been a, a dominant performance by the Australian in the series. Uh, the West Indies have, have never looked like bowling the Australians out. They've scored runs for fun. Last mm. night, Scotty Boland came on and does what he does. When he gets the ball in hand, something seems to happen. A triple wicket made, and they're four for 38, still 4.59 runs behind the West Indies. Has this been a, a good enough tune-up for the Australians ahead of South Africa, or do you have the same view that Michael Clark had when had on the show a couple of weeks ago when he feared this this Australian summer just the cricket team would just dominate the West Indies and South Africa. Yeah, uh, Mike, well, Michael's a very good judge. I, I've been so disappointed. Like I, I know Australia's got to win the canter today, but you know, guys, we lived in the era when the West Indies were just gilt edge superstars. Desmond Haynes, who's in Adelaide at the moment, Greenwich. Garner, Holding, Croft, Roberts, Div. they were exhilarating. And to see how far they've fallen in basic things like running between the wickets, mm. catching, fielding. Like at one point, there was I saw last night, one of the guys might have been, I just can't remember who it was, didn't even appeal for a run out. I mean, come on, mm. join the club, son. You know, and I just thought it was... They're so far off the pace. They are less than a Sheffield Shield team, right? Yeah. This West Indian team. Yeah. They are so modest. I've been at Allen Border Field the last couple of days watching the South African team, and they've got some big, strong, fast bowlers mm. who oh, their batting's not great, but oh, geez, they, they push it to about 150. There'll be some lively moments in this test that starts at the Gabba Saturday. Don't worry about that. Mm. Crush. Ray asked me a few moments ago about David Warner, and I said, look, he's had his critics, mm. he's had his detractors. But personally, if I was to pick the greatest Australian side I've seen, I would have David Warner and Matthew Hayden as my two openers. Could I ask yeah. you who you would have as your two openers, given you've been around a little bit longer than me, but you've seen a lot more cricket than I have? Yeah, look, I, I think you've got it because, um, okay, if you go opening batsman, uh, Mark Taylor was very good. But Warner's got a strike rate of 70 runs per 100 balls, and he's an opener. David Warner's been out of form for a couple of years. He's averaged 20 in the last year. You know, it look, his numbers are receding. It looks as if he's fading. He's just played so much cricket. And as Usman Kawaja said, his boyhood buddy, he said, I've made my debut before Dave, but I've played half as many tests. What is it, 51 tests or 52 to 97? So he said... That's why I'm fresher. You know, he's been he's been squeezed dry. But I, I, David Warner is very underrated. I mean, to average 46, 47 at a strike rate of, of uh, 71 for 100 tests. Matthew Hayden is my first pick, I have to say it. 30 test centuries out of what was the 103 tests. My goodness me. Are you kidding me? A century every three and a half tests? I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and and Hayden played forward to every ball he faced. He got down the wicket. He threw blokes off yeah, their line and length. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but uh, together, yeah, I, my mind's spinning thinking of what other opening batsmen I, I can think of. But I will say this in summing up this argument. 
they may be Australia's two best ever because when we were picking our team of the century, opening batsmen were the hardest ones to find, to settle on. Yeah, we all had, there was Greg Chappell in there. You know, there was Dennis Lilly, you know, and guys like that. But I, Bill Ponsford was the yeah. first opener picked, and I always felt Ponsford was slightly overrated. Yeah, fair enough too. Hey, um, uh, this going to next year obviously will be an Ashes year in England, and um, I don't know if you've watched much of the England-Pakistan series so far. I've been channel surfing between both test matches, and I've found it fascinating, the English approach in Pakistan, and whether they will have the courage and the temerity, in fact, to play this so-called basball in an Ashes series next year. Mm. What, what's your thoughts, Grash? <laughs> Ray, you just asked a beautiful question. And it's one that I've been thinking of all week. I thought of it last night at 10 o'clock when I was watching, um, you know, that test. And yeah. where England were skating away again. And I have never in any sport, all right, rugby league, AFL, been a transformation from a team who lost, who won just two out of 16 tests, could not get out of their own road in Australia last mm, summer, mm. and have now won six out of seven playing this cavalier brand of cricket. And it's just, it, 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 if someone ever says to you, can you show me evidence why cricket and sport is a mental game? D- don't do anything else. Just say baseball. Yeah. Because blokes who were <laughs> beaten and broken and busted in Australia, they're, they're playing with a Viv Richards-like swagger. It's I, I cannot yeah. believe it. Yeah. I, I, they're going at six and over. They're, they're got, playing with a smile on their face. And they should beat Pakistan in his second test. An extraordinary victory if it happens. But, I, I Ray, I can't believe it. Yeah. I, I just You don't see too many things in sport that make you fall off your chair and just think, <laughs> what is happening is here? England's yeah. revival is that. And mm. to answer your question... I think that they will try and take Australia on. I think they feel that this is the. There's no turning back now. Mm. They've got credit points bank. If you're going to beat Australia, you've got to go after them, and that is when Australia is most vulnerable. Yeah, it's fascinating. Crash, can I say this about baseball? We all think it's appealing and attractive, but there are times in a Test match when you've got to get down in the gutter and you've got to grind and you've got to stay patient. Yeah. If you go too far toward the right and basball, can you get back to the left when you need to put your head down and your backside up and save a test match? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question, isn't it? And because they haven't really done it. They've gone from first gear to fourth gear, and we haven't really seen them. And because it's worked so well for them, we haven't seen too many times that they've had to slip back into second gear. But that's the key, isn't it? I mean, Pat Cummins averages 21 per test wicket. If he is bowling on a seeming deck in Headingley, it is very, very difficult to score five runs and over for yeah. him. It, you may well argue, hey, that's the way we can throw him off a bit and go your hardest at it. But I just know that this, that during next season's Ashes series, there will be a couple of times when the lid pops off the saucepan and England gets bowled out for 154, hmm. something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, hey, Crash, I've got to tell you, um, I'm going to achieve a lifelong ambition next year. We, Tan- oh, what's that? Tanya and I went into the draw, that, that ballot thing they have for um, Ashes tests in England, thinking we yeah. were a million to one. Got the email during the week. We are going <gasps> to we got, cost a bomb. 
but oh. we're, we're going to Lords on day four. I cannot oh. believe it. I've done the Lords tour. I've had the mm. tears and the eyes going through the, the dress, their visitors' dressing room and all sorts of things. Mm. Underneath that little sign, it says Bradman scored 254 here. And anyway, we're going to be there for the second test. And th that's why I'm so interested in what England are doing now, because it, it, you're right. When they won that famous series in 2005, that's what they did. They got into the Australians' face, didn't mm. they? They took mm. it to them. And that was, yep. what, that was probably the all-time great test series, I think. That was one of the absolute best ever. This, <laughs> this could happen again. Well, Ray, firstly, I'm so excited for you and Tanya because you've been a cricket nuffy. And I hear it in your voice, mate, when you're asking questions. You just love it, I love don't it. you? Yeah, I love it. And, and it, mate, it, it lifts us all up, you know. Mm. So, But, but uh, you're right. We used to have a saying <laughs> before Sandpaper Gate that you can't sandpaper Australia into oblivion. They... Now we don't say it because yeah. it has a totally different meaning. But <laughs> what we're saying is Australia very, very rarely loses arm wrestles. They're a hard team to grind down. If you're playing slow, you're normally they, they normally swamp you. And, and, and so the teams that have beaten Australia, and I think South Africa, three tours in a row in Australia, they've mm. looked them in the eye and they've played really square jaw tough cricket. So... That's that's the, that's generally the way to beat us. If you said to me, "What are you worried about in the next Ashes tour?" I remember when Australia lost there in about I think it was 2013. They were long odds on. They were just going to sweep the carpet. Yeah. And Jason Gillespie said, uh, "Was it 2013 or 2015?" But Jason Gillespie, who was coaching over there, said, "Oh, it worries me. We've got a little bit of an oldish team, you know." Mm. And he said, he "said teams can grow old very quickly." And he was right, uh, and, and they, they jumped him. And, and so this team, it's got a lot of miles in the legs heading yep. to England. Our bowling attack feet. has. Our bowling well, attack yeah. has, yeah. So. Given Ray, too, that's coming after an Indian summer, mm. four tests in India, then the IPL for some. Like, it's, we will be, these boys will know they're alive yes. by the time they hit England, I'm telling you. Exactly. Hey, Crash, I know we've, we've leaned on you a couple of times or a few times this year. As always, we've, we love having you on. Your, your thoughts about sport and cricket are just fantastic. Mate, to you and your family, have a great Christmas. Thanks for your help during 2022. And I promise we, we'll try not to bug you too much next year. No, mate. we will. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, two of my great old buddies, it's so lovely to chat. And well done on that Sandy Campbell story the other day, Dino. I... I love the way you're still bringing out the personalities in the game and just sort of, you know, from the all different sorts of flavours. So you've always done that beautifully. So thanks a lot, guys. And thanks, Merry Christmas, everybody.